Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today we have a fun one. We're deep diving into the quarterbacks and the running back prospects. We're going to give our takes on who has the best chance to succeed at the next level and who could make the biggest fantasy impact. This is all pre-draft, obviously, but we're going to take a look today and let you know who we like out of the group that's coming out at both positions, and who better to do this with than the score's top NFL draft mind, Dan Wilkins. Wilkie, I know around this time of year, you've been known to sing some version of the Christmas song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. We're going to get a few bars of that today? Uh, no, but we both, that's, that's the time of the year for sure, but that's not going to happen. Well, you are actually lucky that you're getting the invite today because you went to a Buffalo Bisons game recently. It's minor league baseball, but they have Vlad Guerrero Jr., one of the top prospects in major league baseball right now. And not only did you drive through the current city where I'm living, but you stayed the night in my hometown of Niagara Falls and didn't even text me or call me. Absolutely unforgivable. Well, here's the thing. I knew that you were just so busy preparing for this podcast. I thought I'd give you the time to get your stuff done. It's true. We have been putting in some long days and watching a lot of tape. And I even like going through like interviews with players as well, just to get a feel for their personality, their confidence level, whatever you can take away from that. It's like all just, it's so many like puzzle pieces that we're just trying to put together and it never gives you a perfect picture and landing spots will help fill in in a little bit. But we're just trying to get as close to a clear picture as we can at this point in the year, right? Yeah, all, all the information you can get. I mean, at this point, when we get close to the draft, we'll probably get into the overanalyzing range. But, I mean, that's just comes with that's just the nature of the beast. That's football. Well, after you didn't give me a call or a text on that trip, it just means I'm going to have to be extra hard on you today, I think, when we disagree over some of these players. (laughs) Before we get into that, though, this is your weekly reminder. Subscribe to the podcast. That makes sure that you get every episode delivered right to you. And I hope you've taken my recommendation and listened to some of the other shows on the Score Podcast Network, like Pound the Rock or NBA Show. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about that very bizarre Magic Johnson resignation yesterday. Uh, And Expand the Zone, our MLB pod, where I'm sure they're probably going to explain why you should invite your friend Boone to go see Vladdy Jr. in the Niners, right? (laughs) Actually, one of the hosts of that podcast is Michael Bradburn, and he was on that trip with you, so I'm going to have to give him a hard time, too. (laughs) All right, let's get into the prospects here. Today, we're going to go over quarterbacks and running backs. Then next week, we'll break down wide receivers and tight ends. And this week, I've already posted a look at the quarterback prospects who I think could emerge as fantasy stars either this year or within the next few years. The running back version of that post is going to come out on Thursday, and then the wide receiver and tight end versions not far behind over the next week. Wilkins, I know you guys have a lot of content coming out on the NFL side. Uh, You have your prospect position rankings. They're going to come out next week, I believe in addition to just a ton of content between now and the draft. So lots of good stuff on the score to get you ready for the draft. Let's start with these quarterbacks. And the last time you were on, I mentioned how Kyler Murray was the consensus top quarterback. And I didn't think that you were going to disagree with me on that one. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that we know he's probably going to go number one overall here. But you did disagree at the time. From our recent talks, though, seems like you might be changing your mind on that one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to go back and forth, back and forth on this until the draft comes around. Really, uh, I honestly don't know who my number one quarterback is between these two right now. It, it's a toss up. They're both very different players. I mean, with Murray, you know that he can make any throw on the field. It, it's, it's kind of amazing to watch him play because 
he had that football and baseball background, but he, it just looks like he's been he's the kind of guy who's been a top quarterback prospect his entire life. Just a one year as a starter, but he's a natural thrower of the football. He's got excellent accuracy to all levels of the field. Uh, some good pre-snap decisions. Uh, he's an incredible ball carrier, one of the best we've seen since Michael Vick. I know we tend to throw that name out there when we get running quarterbacks, but he is that good on the ground. The, th- the pause that I have with him is kind of the same thing that held me back a little bit on Russell Wilson early in his career. When that first read isn't there, he kind of goes into improv- improvisation mode, and you know that's where he makes a lot of his big plays, but that's not totally projectable to the NFL in the same way that Dwayne Haskins is in the way that he goes through his reads from the pocket almost as if he's a pro already and you know he's only been a starter in college for one year too so that kind of level advanced level of uh, football IQ from the pocket going through your reads that's rare for a quarterback and that's what makes me like him so much and there's just different ways where these guys win and that's what keeps making me go back and forth I think they're both top 10 picks easy and yeah it does seem like Murray's gonna go number one but I don't know there's something about that that is giving me pause I mean this was really early for everyone to be set on the top pick and if you remember this time last year um, it seemed like it was either Sam Darnold or people were throwing out Josh Allen and then all of a sudden at the last minute we found out it was Baker Mayfield I think it's kind of uh, benefits the Cardinals to have it out there that they want Murray as this top player, the most interesting player in the class to kind of build up the trade market. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them go elsewhere and stick with Josh Rosen, but we'll have to see. Well, we talked about that, I think, last time you were on as well, the idea that it could be a smokescreen. They could be just trying to create maybe a trade market for Murray. I think what would happen in that scenario, though, would be even if the Cardinals don't take him, I think somebody would be trading into that spot. To take him. I think that would be the situation in my mind. Are you worried at all? It doesn't say too much here, but Haskins isn't on the list of guys that's going to go to the draft itself where a quarterback like Daniel Jones is. Does that worry you at all that maybe Haskins knows he's not going to go early in the draft and doesn't want to be there for that slide? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen number one picks not go to the draft before, so I try not to read too much into that. I think that's probably what I mentioned before where we get into the range of uh, overthinking these things. But honestly, I, I don't know. There have been some whispers about him sliding, but this is the time of year where... It, you can't really believe anything you see floated out there like that. I, to me, he's at worst the number two quarterback in the class, maybe the number one. So it's tough for me to see him falling too far, but I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think maybe that that uh, draft night thing says more about Daniel Jones, perhaps. Maybe he's gotten some assurances from a team that he's going to go early, why you know he's on the list there. But uh, looking at these two... You know how I feel about Haskins. I don't really see him on the same level as Murray. I think with Murray, there's just very little about his game that worries me. And I know you mentioned, you know, the the concerns about him running a little too quickly sometimes and, and breaking free of that pocket. I think he's so explosive. He's so dangerous in the run game that it's not a situation with a quarterback like I'm trying to think of examples and you know, a guy like JP Lossman. I remember when he was a rookie and came into the league. He was a guy that, the first sign of pressure, he would tuck and run. He wasn't a great runner, though, so it wasn't that great for the offense to have him do that. Where Murray, as you mentioned, he's not Michael Vick, but he's not that far off. 
So having him run isn't as much of a worry. And I still, I have a lot of confidence in his arm. I think he can make all the throws there. And I know everyone was worried about his height, but I talked about this in my article yesterday. It's really strange. When I saw everything about his height, you think when you go watch the tape, he's going to have issues. He's going to have all these batted balls and everything like that. He really didn't. And it seemed like almost every other quarterback prospect I saw had more batted balls. And, and I went and looked, and the stats backed that up. When you look at all the other top guys in this class, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, they all had more batted balls. Dwayne Haskins was the same level as Murray. So not as much of a concern for me there. You know, I know it could come up maybe a little more in the pros. It's a different game, but... I'm really looking at Murray as a guy that could change a franchise potentially. He could still have his struggles here. We're not talking about Russell Wilson, who came a little bit cheaper in the draft. You know, Murray's going to have all that pressure on him from day one. But if he ends up with the Cardinals, fantasy-wise there, I really like that situation. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's going to come in, and we expect him to bring in a high-volume pass attack. I like the weapons there. I mean, David Johnson is a pass-catching back one of the best pass catchers out of the backfield in the NFL. Larry Fitzgerald's still a very dependable option in the slot. And Christian Kirk, I was really impressed by him last year. I think a lot of people thought, including myself, that he was going to need Larry Fitzgerald to get out of the way so maybe he could take over that slot role. But he showed he could win on the outside. He had some very explosive plays. So I, I really like that offense for Murray. And I think this could be a situation where we see him come in and potentially crack fantasy rosters right away. Not not just, you know, being a decent real-life quarterback, but fantasy-wise, we know with the dual-threat ability what that can do. We saw so many of those guys succeed for fantasy last year. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they were all putting up, you know, quarterback one or at least borderline quarterback one numbers. I think Murray could do that as well this year. And I mean, I just mentioned the Russell Wilson comparison from early in his career, some of the limitations that he had. He obviously works through those and makes it work in the NFL, and he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the league now. So I think the upside is crazy for Murray. And I only mention the limitation because that in terms of his progressions going from read one to freelance mode right after that, but that's really the only knock I have on him. I don't care about the height. I mean... I do think that the batted balls may be a little bit of a misleading stat in this situation because Oklahoma had such an unbelievable offensive line and he was kind of sitting back there untouched so often. But at the same time, Russell Wilson doesn't get a lot of batted balls at the line of scrimmage either. I think that that kind of situation is more about finding throwing lanes rather than being able to throw over a guy at the line of scrimmage. I mean, a 6'2 quarterback isn't throwing over his 6'5", 6'6 offensive linemen anyway, right? You always have to be able to find that throwing lane. And I do think that Murray and Wilson and other guys, the shorter quarterbacks, do find a way to do that. They, they've always had to do that. So I'm not really worried about the height. It's more so... Uh, his ability to go from go through his progressions and the concern that I have with a smaller frame, not necessarily short, but a smaller frame holding up in terms of durability and ball security. I mean, when he when he takes a hit from a you know 260, 270 pound defensive lineman coming at him full speed, I mean, there's a good chance that that ball's going to come out. So I mean, we got to make sure that that's that's not going to be a problem at the next level. But there's just so much to like in terms of big play upside. I mean. It, that's all he did at Oklahoma. It was unbelievable to watch. I can only hope that if he goes to Arizona, they turn around and pick Hollywood Brown in the second round so we can see more of that. Absolutely. For Haskins, too, and I wanted to ask you, 
is a big part of your evaluation and your your love of him. Is it from the the late season starts? Like I know near the end of the year, he definitely showed a little more. He showed that he was improving. Are you sort of building it off of that? Because for me, when I watched the whole package, yes, he did get better at the end of the year, but I just see a guy, I'm not completely out on him. I want to say that, but I think he's a guy that's going to need a little bit of time. I don't see him as a guy who can come in right away. And I think some of these quarterbacks that have come in in recent years and had that rushing ability, that helps them. That makes it a little bit easier to make that transition because they can sort of rely on that to an extent where Haskins doesn't have that whatsoever. He is going to be a pocket passer. I'm a little bit worried for him, you know, Speed, not a huge concern. That That's not how he wins, obviously. Although I did mention a, a stat yesterday that went in the post that I was a little bit worried about when you look at quarterbacks taken in the first round. And since 2003, there's only been one that ran slower than five seconds in the 40 who got taken in the first round. That was Mark Sanchez. But I think Haskins is still going to be a first round pick, which is important because you want that draft capital. But his ball velocity, very slow. Now, I, I will say that when I watched the game tape, that didn't seem to be a problem for him. But the quarterbacks that have had really bad ball velocity and then gone out and actually succeeded in the NFL over the last decade have been guys that can also run the ball. Deshaun Watson's, Lamar Jackson's. Looking at Haskins, I just I have some concerns. I know I, I think we talked about it before. You you like the the quick release that he has there. I see like a bit of a, a wind up though that I don't like. That I think they might want to tweak that could make it a little more refined in his throwing motion. I, I don't know. I just think I think there's going to need to be some coaching to help him and to get him a little bit further down the road here where he's going to be a guy that can actually be a starter. I think the worst thing for him would be if he gets drafted to a team like your Raiders and they want to just throw him in there right away. Maybe they trade away Derek Carr and just put him out there right away. That would be terrible. I think he needs to sit for a little while if we're going to see the best from him in the pros. I honestly think the only real concern I have with Haskins is some, I mean, obviously the mobility is, can be an issue. I, if you can move within the pocket, I'm not too worried about you breaking the pocket. Like as, as long as you can avoid pressure within the pocket, keep the play alive, maintain your eye level. I think he does have a, a sense of poise and awareness in the pocket, and he can move in that sense. He's not going to ever really break the pocket and be a runner. That's just not really part of his game. He doesn't have that ability to break the pocket and pick up yards when the play breaks down. But he just seems like such an advanced passer especially for a guy who's only been a starter for one year and you know you you mentioned the progression from the beginning of the year to the end I actually kind of am really encouraged by the fact that this is his first year as a starter he you know he had some difficulties early on but the improvements that he made in that short stretch of time like I think it would be different if you know a guy had been starting for a while and he just got hot, but I, I kind of take this as him kind of settling in and really by the end of his first year as a starter showing uh, how good he can be. Uh, in terms of uh, his limitations as a passer, I would say that the only thing I'm really concerned about is some inconsistent ball placement. Uh, and, you know, I, I can hear arguments that, you know, guys just don't, learn how to be accurate you either are or you aren't and I, I believe that for the most part but there's something with Haskins game where I feel like the times where we see inconsistent ball placement I kind of tie it back to a little mechanical thing that I've 
noticed with him, and maybe I'm overthinking this, but it seems like he kind of bails out of his stride. Like, he doesn't really have any sort of consistent weight transfer in his lower body, and that seems to affect his accuracy uh, at, at multiple levels of the field. But even when I was watching him throw at the combine, it, it seemed like he had made an effort to clean that up, and I can only assume that that's what he's been doing because I don't know firsthand. But to me, that seems like a very fixable issue with his footwork and we've seen it with him like we've seen the ability to drive the ball to all levels of the field and to have some pretty ridiculous accuracy there outside of the inconsistency so if if I'm right and that's just like a little bit of cleanup in the footwork and it can unlock that consistent accuracy I really think he can be a a top tier passer I'm glad you brought that up because I do think there was definitely some inconsistency with the touch on his passes, especially short and intermediate throws, something he for sure needs to work on. But if we do see him progress like he did over this year, we could see him being a a decent starter down the road. I just think it's going to take a year or two before we we see that. I'm I'm hoping he gets the chance to actually hold the clipboard and have that opportunity to learn. It'd be great to see him go to a team like the Chargers or something where he could sit behind a Phillip Rivers and learn for a little bit before he gets his chance to start. I mean, in fantasy, obviously, we're looking a little bit deeper at quarterback here. Not too many names. You know, most drafts don't have that many quarterbacks that come in and make a difference. And I think of this group, I don't think there's going to be that many. I wrote up guys like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, Will Greer. I'll let you just sort of pick from that group. Is there anybody for you that stands out that you could think actually emerges as a starter? I love Will Greer. I mean, <laughs> I know that <laughs> Drew Locke is probably the consensus number three quarterback in this class. And based on what we're seeing uh, from mock drafts everywhere and the rumblings that we hear from interest from NFL teams, it seems like Daniel Jones is within the top five. But I don't know. I'm kind of considering ranking Locke or ranking Greer above the both of them. I, there's just something to his game that... I'll throw out a name out there, and it's going to sound ridiculous, but stick with me. He's almost like Patrick Mahomes, but without the freak athletic and arm ability. So I'm not quite sure where that leaves you, because that's obviously such a big part of his game. But he's just such an aggressive, productive, vertical passer. And I don't know, there's just something so appealing about a quarterback who willingly and effectively throws the ball downfield, uh, challenges tight windows, and successfully does so. I don't know. There's just so much upside with his game. If he's in a vertical passing game, like, you know, let's say the Bucks go elsewhere with their first pick. I can't see them taking a quarterback early, right? But if Will Greer's there in the second, and he's that guy who can challenge Winston, I would love to see him in a Bruce Arians offense. Of the top guys, he's the oldest quarterback, and that doesn't rule him out at all, but he is 24 at this point. The other guys are definitely a year or two younger there. Looking at Greer, I just I see him as someone who I can see the appeal for sure, and I think I, I put him in a group of guys that I think are just bound to end up being NFL backups. And I, I know I know it's exciting to see him challenge downfield. I just think he makes a lot of poor decisions. And it's not, it doesn't seem to be overconfidence as much as it just seems to, he, he's making bad reads in my mind when I'm watching the tape. And I think he gets himself into a lot of trouble because of it. Is that something that you can clean up, especially if you're in the right system? Absolutely. So hopefully, like you said, he ends up with a team where he's going to get the best coaching and get a chance to, to improve there. 
I don't know. He just it th- that was the thing about him that that worries me that that sort of dropped him a little bit because I can see why it, you look at his game and you go, yeah, I could see that guy in the pros. I mean, I think Drew Locke is a little bit the same where Drew Locke shows really good accuracy downfield and is willing to make those throws into you know really tight windows, but he's got bad footwork and and he ends up sort of making more mistakes and. And the pressure really throws him off when it, whenever there's any pressure in the pocket. So all these guys have sort of fatal flaws in my mind that maybe will get corrected. But, I mean, so often we see quarterbacks come into the league and those fatal flaws end up just undermining their career as a whole. The Jones thing, I think with him, now I'm, I'm very interested and I almost want to go back and watch him more. Because if he's going to that draft, I do think that... He must have some sort of assurance. I don't think anyone would put themselves in that situation, especially a quarterback, put themselves in that day one situation where they're sitting there and you end up being the last guy on camera and they're constantly cutting to you and you end up being, you know, Brady Quinn obviously comes to mind. So I wonder whether Jones has gotten some assurances. Really came close. There's an interesting article that Hayden Winks did for Roto World where he talked about minimum thresholds for prospects at every position. And Jones made the cut, but he came very close to a lot of those minimum thresholds across the board. Yeah, I'm I'm just not really interested in Daniel Jones at all. I he's I I guess I see why uh the old school NFL types like him. I he's got a decent arm. He kind of moves in, within the pocket and he, you know, flashes an ability to work through progressions and I guess that connection to David Cutcliffe, you know, will really NFL teams seem to love that. So I, I don't know, but like I, I, I fully expect him to go in the first round, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's to the Giants at seventeen with the pick that they got from the Browns. But there's, I don't know, he's just not great with ball placement, bad footwork, sometimes uh, too many batted balls at the line, I, not much production for what's supposed to be a top tier quarterback prospect. I'm, I'm just not that interested. I. I, I just love Greer over the rest of those second tier of quarterbacks. You know, I, I hope that it didn't sound like I was straight up comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Just it, It's just that mentality that I like and just that willingness to throw the ball downfield and he does so so effectively. Uh, yeah, some of the concerns you mentioned are definitely valid. I, you know, he definitely needs to settle for checkdowns or throwaways when that's the best option. Uh, he doesn't have the biggest arm despite his ability to push the ball downfield like that was my main concern with him as I didn't think the the arm strength really matched up in his uh, ability to win at the vertical levels of the field but you know at the same time you mentioned this earlier the ball velocity he was actually number one at the combine among all the quarterbacks there so that was really interesting to me I don't really know how you know projectable that is or how much that really tells us about arm strength obviously it tells us something but He's really interesting. I, Having thought of arm strength as one of the potential areas of concern for him, seeing that number was very encouraging to me, and I, I immediately latched on to it. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll agree quarterback three. Um, but I think, you know, you mentioned Drew Locke. I, he's very talented, clearly, but I can't not see Derek Carr when I watch him. You know, Carr has so many of the same... They're just such a similar player. Carr has so many of the same strengths and weaknesses where he can make any throw on the field. He's got a quick release. He's got some athleticism. Carr doesn't use it as much as he should, but he can take off and run. He's very athletic. 
but like there's some poor decision making both in general and decision making that gets worse when he's under pressure. He seems to lock in on one receiver rather than going through progressions. And he just doesn't deal well with pressure in his face. And there's too many fadeaways as I assume the pressure getting to his footwork. So I don't know. He, I guess he's a, he's just a second round prospect for me. There's definitely upside there if you can work on those uh, weaker areas of his game. But I, I just can't, I can't get Derek Carr out of my head when I watch him. And I, I like Carr. There's tons of upside to him. But there's it's capped by some of the things that he doesn't do so well either. I'm going to give you a guy, I know listeners probably want us to move on to running back, which is a far more exciting fantasy position, so we'll wrap up quarterback quick here. I'm going to give you one guy that I think is a project who can be had in the later rounds, who I'm kind of interested in. I know there there are a lot of areas of his game that need work, but Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo, the ultimate project, really. He has some big tools. He's got a monster arm. And it sort of reminds me, his arm at least, a little bit of Josh Allen. I'd like to see the Bills go out and grab him, maybe put him behind Allen and let him learn, let him see if he can get a little better and could bring some of the same things to the table if Allen ever went down and and they needed to bring the backup in. Jackson's just an intriguing prospect, moves really well for his size, and he is huge, six foot seven, 245 pounds. And don't worry, I'm not going down the, the John Elway route here. I'm not just falling in love with a super tall quarterback. But there's just a lot of upside under the surface, and I think he's a low cost investment for front offices. And I think when you're looking at dynasty leagues, especially two quarterback dynasty leagues or super flex leagues, he's a low cost investment. You can get him in the later round, stash him on your bench just to see if a few years down the road he could emerge. You get anybody like that? Any any deeper quarterbacks you think could eventually make their way up? This quarterback class is very top heavy, but I, I mean, I'll throw Gardner Minshew's name out there. He's he's probably never going to be fantasy relevant and he may never be a full-time starter in the NFL, but I just love him as a, as a long-term backup, uh, you know, and you need that in the NFL. You need, backup quarterback is one of the most important positions on your team. Cause if the starter goes down your, your season may be over if you don't have a backup quarterback. So, I mean, he just, he works through progression so well, he makes good decisions, take care, takes care of the ball. Uh, he moves well within the pocket. He's accurate. He's got good timing, throws with anticipation, it's just that he doesn't really have the arm strength to have those abilities translate to the uh, deeper levels of the field. He's going to kind of be limited to the passing games that uh, you know attack defenses underneath and maybe at the intermediate level. So I, I do think there's value in him as a backup, uh, but he's probably never going to project as a long-term starter with a ton of upside. Um, other guys, not, not really. I mean, I... I think Easton Stick shows a lot of like talent, some upside there, but I don't know. He's he's kind of a project too, so it, it's a very top-heavy class. That fantasy-wise, you're probably only going to be interested in Kyler Murray early on. There's some guys like Haskins and Locke and uh, Greer who could, you know, in future years we could see them emerge as legitimate starters. I think going back to your point on Murray. His ability as a big play passer and runner, I would comfortably take him as a quarterback one in year one. Let's jump over to running back here. And I have to admit, I know your position prospect rankings don't come out till next week. You're doing those with Mike Alessandrini, the score. But I took a sneak peek of them already. Looks like we have the same top three. So Josh Jacobs out of Alabama, David Montgomery out of Iowa State. And Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Those are the three guys that I think are clearly at the top of this class. And they're the three that 
right now I'm targeting very heavily. I'm doing best ball drafts right now. And in best ball leagues, if you can get rookies, especially at running back, if you can get rookies prior to the draft, you almost always get a discount because if one of them happens to land in an ideal spot, so looking at it now, let's say with the Buccaneers or with the Raiders, I also like the Texans as a good spot. I don't know what, you know, Lamar Miller's future is going to be there. Even with the Eagles, I know they traded for Jordan Howard, but that could be a team that could bring in someone who could either beat out Howard or become a nice compliment with them. Those three guys are the guys that I'm really trying to make sure I can get at least one of them in every draft. Do you agree? Yes. I mean, especially Jacobs. And that's the obvious one, right? Like, I'm not giving you any new information here. Everyone knows that, or at least I think that everyone knows that Jacobs is the number one running back in this class. I had a tough time coming up with any real weaknesses to his game. I mean, I, I guess he doesn't have home run speed, but he's got more than enough. You know, he didn't have the type of production that we'd like to see from a, a high-level running back prospect, but he's he was at Alabama. He was playing with other guys like Damian Harris, who was, I believe, a team captain. So I, he was part of an extremely talented offense that he didn't get a ton of touches, but he certainly made the most of the ones that he did get. He's a sudden, explosive athlete. He's got elite elusiveness. He's rarely brought down by first contact. He's a He's going to be a contributor in the running game and the passing game from day one. There's just so much to like about him, and he's the rare running back prospect that I'm okay with teams taking in the first round of the draft. Yeah, just a really enticing all-round back, and I like that he can even make plays downfield in the passing game. Yeah. They used him they used him that way at Alabama a little bit. You know, Maybe not fast enough to outrun anyone, but speed isn't a concern there. Really follows his blockers well. I love that he's willing to initiate contact. Just never had the volume, but you know what? That could end up being a good thing. I know that goes back to that minimum threshold thing a little bit, but that could end up being a good thing at running back that he's not coming in with so much wear and tear. I have him number one. I have David Montgomery very close behind him, maybe closer than most. I fell in love with David Montgomery, and I'm worried, Wilkins. You might have to talk me back a little bit because he's one of those guys that I'm. I'm worried I'm not going to be able to quit if he doesn't. If he doesn't do well when he first comes into the league, I just he's somebody who made the most of his skills. Right, had a terrible offensive line in college, but is such a hard worker. Just had the ability to fight through that to overcome it doesn't have breakaway speed and his athletic testing didn't do him any favors for sure but he was he was good enough in those areas he wasn't really below the marks where you should be too too concerned that sort of rule him out as a potential pro prospect breaks a ton of tackles just great balance i i was very very impressed with him i think he's a capable receiver i think he's solid in pass blocking i think he's a guy that people aren't looking at because he he doesn't have the explosiveness that a Jacobs has, like you mentioned, that that burst, he doesn't really pop in that way on film. But when it comes to breaking tackles and, and you know really gaining yards on his own, which he's gonna have to do in the NFL, he showed that to me, and I love him, Wilkie. I do. I, I'm not gonna argue with you. I, I've got him as my number two running back too, and it, yeah, it's not that far behind Jacobs. I, I would think that Montgomery is a is a second round prospect behind Jacobs going in the first, but. There's yeah, there's just so much to like there with him, and the thing that stands out to me too is his is his vision and the the elusiveness and his contact balance. To that's the one thing I look for in running backs is your ability to just kind of shed contact kind of effortlessly and and keep going. And I think we see that a lot with uh, Montgomery, and he he's good in the passing game too. So 
you know, if he lands in the right spot fantasy-wise, I think he's probably uh, in for a, a three-down roll right away, and that's that's huge. And rounding out that top three, Henderson, he's a guy that I was torn on at first. You watch him, and he just has some the complete opposite of Montgomery, really, in the sense that Henderson just had gaping holes to run through at times. He had these really big, long runs, but you have to sort of put an asterisk next to it because it was his offensive line doing a lot of work in some of those situations, but still, still has great breakaway speed, has a lot of big playability on his own. Not so much a, a cutback runner from what I saw. You sometimes really lost his footing there a little bit and didn't break nearly as many tackles as those first two guys we discussed. But I like his game all around, and I think he's someone that I'm really hoping goes to the right situation. And that's going to be the case with most of these running backs we talk about. It's not the uh, same as the quarterbacks, like you said, not really a top-heavy class. It's very deep, though, and we could see a whole bunch of guys emerge as stars here depending on the landing spot that they get in the draft. But what's your take on Henderson? I think Henderson is one of those guys that could be a star depending on where he goes. He, you know, We mentioned with the first two guys that we they weren't really home run hitters. Uh, I think it's different when, with Henderson. You're right, and a lot of his yards did come with uh, some big holes at the line. Obviously, the line was doing some good work, but he did his fair share as well. I mean, I liked the contact balance. I, I liked his ability to just break away at that from that defender that gets him at the second level and then just hit that second year and take it to the end zone from there. I, there's so much big playability there, but I think he's also a... Uh, a guy who can probably, I think his athletic skills and his, the ability that he's flashed in terms of elusiveness and uh, vision and, and patience, I think he can also let plays develop uh, and make yards for himself when they may not be there or blocked for him up front. So uh, that's a bit of a projection because so many of the big plays, like you mentioned, were uh, because of huge holes at the offensive line. You know, he never faced loaded boxes that often. Uh, with who he was going against and with the offense that was around him. But uh, there's a ton to like there. And depending on where he goes, he could be a stud right away. Now, after that top three, the next it's just a big group after that. There's a ton of guys after that that I think if they get that landing spot could end up being fantasy relevant, could end up being decent starters in the NFL. The first guy I want to talk about, though, is Rodney Anderson. And I know everyone says maybe he could be the the best running back in this class if he was healthy. That's a nice thing to say, but guess what? He he just hasn't been healthy, obviously, right? Three season-ending injuries in college at a torn ACL last year. Major red flags on the injury front. You know, we don't know that he's going to be the same player. His 2017 tape, which was pretty extensive, was much better than what I saw in, you know, the limited tape that he had last year. You know, he's not the most fluid runner I would say and maybe that contributes to his injuries and maybe I'm just talking nonsense there but sometimes when you see a guy and he doesn't have the you know that really smooth running style you worry that you know maybe when he takes certain steps that kind of you know throws off his balance and, and maybe invites some of those injuries in some way but he consistently made people miss had so many good attributes about him and it's true if he was healthy he would be in that, that group with that top three, and it would be a top four in my mind, but he hasn't been healthy. Now, can he become a, a three-down runner if he can get back? Absolutely. How many running backs, though, have we seen do that? It's just that list is not very deep, and because of that, I have to move him down a little bit. 
there's obviously a ton of concern with the injury history there. I I try not, I mean, I can't say that I don't look at that. Of course I look at it, but I, I try to just look at who, what I see from the player and, you know, leave the rest up to the, the teams. Like, they're, it's all going to depend on what the medical staffs are going to say about uh, what they've seen from him. I, they've all evaluated him extensively, I assume. And that's where, that's where draft capital comes in, right? If, if Anderson goes in the second round... Well, guess what? We know that he passed his medicals pretty yeah. well, and some team's pretty confident in him. If he lasts till day three, or, you know, we've seen guys like that. I think he's going to get drafted, but we've seen guys like that not even get drafted at times. Well, then you know there's definitely something to be concerned about. Exactly. And, you know, if his if his medicals check out and teams are optimistic about his, uh, his upside long-term and, and ability to stay healthy, uh, there's, like you said, there's just so much to like. I, I would... If he was healthy, I'd probably have him uh, second behind Jacobs in this class because he's a smooth runner who makes the one cut, gets upfield. His he runs with anticipation and wiggle to create yards beyond what's blocked, and he he, fish, he finishes runs with physicality. Uh, and it's the receiving ability that puts him over the top too. Like the route running, hands adjustments to the ball are kind of like akin to what you only receive from wide receivers or you know running backs who have been in the league for a long time, but. It, I don't know, there's just, I guess, watching him, and maybe it's because of Oklahoma, but it kind of reminds me of uh, Joe Mixon's ability to make an impact in all areas of the offensive game. And, you know, if if he was healthy, I may have a very uh, similar evaluation on him there. Uh, I mean, I kind of do, because I'm not really considering the injury history too much, but um, I think that that's the kind of comparison that teams would be able to make if he's healthy and and as we know, Mixon was an elite running back prospect. So I, th- I think Rodney Anderson does have that same potential. I mentioned the Texans before as a team that could be looking for a running back. That I know Anderson has visited with them. That'd be a great landing spot, I think. Lamar Miller's got one more year in his deal there. They could keep Miller around. Anderson could get healthy, and maybe he could come on. Though, I mean, they're already dealing with the running back with some injuries. They had Deonta Foreman, who looked like he was going to take over, and you know now we don't know what his situation is post-injury. So maybe they're going to shy away from that now. But I'd love to see Anderson go somewhere where he could take some time, get healthy, and then hopefully we can see the best version of him. Just I'm a little worried when it comes to those best ball drafts, like I talked about, he's a guy that I'm not really touching just because in in 2019, we don't know what we're going to get from him coming off that ACL. And we just don't know if he's going to be the same player. Hopefully he is, though. Miles Sanders was a guy that I know has just skyrocketed up draft boards. I know in dynasty rookie drafts, he's going in the first round there. I'll let you go first on this one, but... I wonder if everyone was just looking at him as the guy who replaced Saquon Barkley, seeing him in that Penn State jersey, and maybe just having, you know, visions of Barkley still in their minds just because of what they had seen in the past from that offense. Sanders, I think, can be good, but I want to know what you have to say first. He's not Barkley, obviously he's not, but I think there are some things to his game that remind you of Saquon Barkley, and it's interesting because you want to to stay away from it because you, you feel like you're just doing it because he's in that Penn State uniform and it was just from a year ago but you know he is a really dynamic athlete he's he creates yards on his own with elusiveness he's got incredible balance Uh, he can be patient at times that's one of his issues it's not all the time but he can be patient he flashes that ability Um, he can be physical he's a willing and capable pass protector with him my only real concerns are that the ball security is an issue that needs to be cleaned up uh, he can't fumble as much as he has. 
he often tries to do too much rather than taking what's there. You know, he doesn't really have the production in the passing game, but I, I do think that he uh, can be a productive receiver. So I like him a lot. I, I think there's a ton of upside with him. Again, he's he's not Saquon Barkley, but he doesn't have to be either. There are, there are some similarities for sure. I like that you mentioned the ball security issues. Definitely something he needs to clean up. And the patience thing you talked about, I know everyone wants to attribute that to, not specifically with him, but when they see running backs who are hesitating behind their blockers, everybody wants to think, oh, it's just like Le'Veon Bell, right? He's oh, like, my wait. God. But with, with Sanders, <laughs> I'm a little worried because when I watched him, it almost seemed like he was thinking too much. It almost seemed like, uh, you know, even before tackles, like he hesitated sometimes instead of always, you know, inviting yeah. that contact. We talked about guys that, you know, running backs we like that invite that contact. It really seemed like sometimes he was slowing himself down at key points, and that's a bit of a concern to me as well. So if he can clean up some of the mental errors, maybe we see him end up, and once again, we don't have to say it for every running back, but landing spot's going to be a big thing. I would like to see the draft capital on him because I'd like to see if NFL front offices are as excited about him as I think a lot of fantasy analysts, as a lot of the draft community has gotten over him. I'm not quite as sold. I have him a little bit further down some of those behind some of those other guys. Damian Harris. Now, I looked at your rankings, as I mentioned, and I don't want to spoil them too much, but Harris was a lot lower on your guys' list than he is on some others. I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, looking at him, he's a two-down thumper. He's got some pass-catching skills. He can contribute in that area for sure. But big-body guy, pretty smooth runner. Didn't seem to bring that much, though. And we're talking about Alabama. So a guy playing in that Alabama offense is going to be playing behind a good offensive line. You know, he's playing in a good offense. So he normally Alabama running backs are going to be able to succeed at least at the collegiate level as a power back though. Maybe this is why you're going that way. I don't know that Harris's game is going to translate that well to the pros. Yeah. I'll give Alessandrini a break here uh, because he actually had, when we came together to put together our rankings, he actually had, Damian Harris higher and I it was my low ranking that pushed him down I yeah he, he's fine I I honestly don't have a lot to say about Damian Harris I mean he he may prove me wrong and be way better than I think and maybe I'm just missing it but I he just seems like a you know your average runner that can do a little bit of everything but is not that exciting I you know, and I think it being in the Alabama offense, I you know, this is going to sound like a bit of a contradiction because I love Josh Jacobs, but I do think being in the Alabama offense kind of set him up for success, perhaps maybe more than he would have had elsewhere. But Right, but when we're seeing it from Jacobs, right? When you watch yeah. Jacobs, you see him making plays. You see that burst and stuff, whereas Harris, you just wonder, maybe he's just getting what's there, right, as opposed to actually creating on his own. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, he flashes the good vision that you like to see, and I... He's good at getting what's there, and you know, at times a little bit beyond that. But I just, I just don't see a ton of upside with him. I just think he's a he's a very fine running back that will be a a, a good number two, or maybe he's a decent. He ends up being a decent number one, but he's just not a guy that gets me that excited like some of the other talents in this class do. Well, speaking of somebody that got me excited was Justice Hill. I did not expect to like him that much. You and I talked a bit about this yesterday. I went into watching his film expecting one thing. I came away thinking he's one of the best athletes in this class, in my opinion. Really liked how he battles, you know, even with his size. Uh, He's a guy that really, really battled every play. But I think he's a very good player, very shifty back, able to make people miss, able to break tackles, 
you know, very quick change of direction. And I think he's really decisive. And that's very important. Like we just talked about with Sanders. Sanders sometimes slows down at times during the play. I think Hill is very decisive, which is good. And I see him as a natural pass catcher. I think he was underutilized as a receiver, to be honest, in college. I think he's got more skills there than maybe some people are going to even realize. Not a great blocker, so does that hurt him a little bit? Could hurt his playing time early on. We know when rookies come in and don't excel at pass pro, it could be a problem. But I don't think that he's uh, an outstanding prospect, but I look at him as, you know, like a, like a Justin Forsett type, like someone that's really making the most of what they have, isn't the biggest guy, but could come in and we could see him, you know, spend some time as a starter in the right offense. Yeah, I, I wasn't into Justice Hill as much as perhaps you and uh, Alessandrini were. I, you know, he's an explosive, sudden athlete. Uh, he can hit the home run for sure, and he can make defenders miss. He, he definitely has that quickness to make him difficult to tackle in the open field. I don't know. There's just I feel like he's maybe poised for more of that uh, offensive weapon role than a than either an early down runner or even a receiver. I know you mentioned the receiving ability, and he did flash that, but he doesn't really pass protect, and he never really had that receiving production. So it it, it is a bit of a projection. So I, I just I don't really know what his role would be at the next level. He's kind of got a slender frame, so I, I don't know if he's really an early down runner either. So. I think he might be that guy that you just kind of, you know, there's definitely a role for these guys. We saw it with like Tariq Cohen where you, you get them in the open field and you get them the ball and they make things happen. And there's value in that. Um, I just, I don't know how high in, for the NFL draft that I would draft that because I, I don't know exactly what I can count on him to do other than how I scheme him to get him in the open field. What's your take on Devin Singletary? I mean, he took a lot of flack over his athletic testing. Wasn't great uh, in the combine, obviously. When you watch him, there seems to be a lot to like about his game, but he's one of those guys that, to me, I at least worry that he's going to be a really good college player, but maybe because of those athletic scores, we need to be a little more worried about how his game's going to translate to the pros. What was your take on him? Yeah, I, I loved him when I first watched him. Uh the athletic testing was definitely a concern. Um, I I try not to take it into account too much with running backs, and t- unless that you're like truly awful explosiveness and uh, speed scores, like his his were fine. But I think watching him, and I, I assume you probably agree with this, that on first watch you probably thought he was going to test really well, and uh, so it's obviously a red flag when he doesn't. But there's and still- that's with when it comes to the athletic testing and I, we've talked about this in the podcast before, that's the biggest thing. It's almost like a, a percentage thing, right? If a guy has poor athletic testing, it doesn't rule out his chances. It just maybe yeah. lowers the odds of him becoming a productive, you know, a pro bowl or all pro type back. It really lowers those chances. But we've seen other guys like Dalvin Cook come in and really put up some bad scores athletically and then come into the league and, and look fantastic. So it is possible for someone like like Singletary to do that. And I will say, I think he plays faster than those athletic scorers would tell you. Yeah, and I think one of the concerns with him is also going to be his size, but I think he also plays bigger than he, he is, right? Like, he he's a willing pass protector. He He's delivered some big hits on blitz pickups, something you wouldn't expect from a running back of his size. But when you kind of pair that ability on third down with what you hope will become some... Uh, passing game production 
and you combine all that with his elite elusiveness, uh, constantly making defenders miss, and ability to create yards for himself when there's nothing else there, contact balance, and that physicality translating into an ability to finish runs, and again, in a way that you wouldn't really expect for him uh, at that size, I I do think there's a lot to like there, and I think he's a mid-round guy that I'd be extremely happy with. Now, as I keep going down my rookie running back rankings here, I'm going to give you a few names. You don't have to talk about every single guy, Wilkie, but I'll give you a few names. You tell me who stands out for good or for bad out of the bunch here. Uh, Travion Williams, Texas A&M. Bryce Love out of Stanford. Uh, Benny Snell is a guy that I know even going back to when we had Dane Belbeck of the score on the podcast in January. He talked about Benny Snell as a guy who could surprise in the pros. Alex Barnes is somebody who, athletic testing-wise, really shocks some people, but is he going to be able to bring that to the NFL, or is that just going to lead to him being more of a special teamer? I'll let you pick and choose from that bunch. Who do you like, or who do you really hate out of that bunch? I I really like Alex Barnes. I mean, to have him test the way he did after showing the physical running style that he has like combining that physicality and uh, elite athleticism I think there's a ton to like there I think he could be I think I mentioned it on the initial podcast that we did about draft prospects but he's definitely comparable to James Conner he powers through weak contact uh, he's got good balance uh, patience to set up his blocks he shows that lateral quickness, which is, was confirmed by his combine testing. He's explosive. He jumps out of those cuts to, and gets back up to speed. And, you know, even his route running, his hands, and his ability to track the ball all indicate some receiving upside at the next level. And he's a pass blocker. I mean, he, he doesn't have home run speed. He runs a little upright for a back who relies on physicality. You know, I think the positives here really outweigh the potential negatives. And I, he's one of my favorite backs in the class. I don't have him ranked in that top five but he's not far off yeah I think you might be overrating his receiving ability in my mind just a little I saw him more as like a dump off guy I didn't really see him as someone that I thought was going to make a ton of plays in the passing game but for sure gifted athlete a ton of power and with that frame you know really really can do some damage I could see him step in as a contributor if injury struck the depth chart, I don't really think he's going to be someone that that rises up. I see him more as uh, I know you made the James Conner comparison. I feel like I see him more as like a like an Alfred Morris type almost, like someone like that who's going to be more of a, a power option, less of a, a receiver. But I could be wrong. We there's always guys that we're going to be wrong about uh, amongst these rookies. The other thing. That group that I gave you, one of the reasons I grouped all those guys together is I'm not that excited about any of those guys. Uh, they all have a chance, but there's no one from that group that really stands out to me anyway. That's why they're a little further down my rankings. If we go a little bit lower, I know a lot of people have made this comparison, but I think James Williams, when you watch him, he is James White. He is a guy who's going to come in. There is an obvious role for him in the pros. He's coming out of Washington State, just a natural pass catcher, good change of pace runner. I think he's a hands catcher. I, I just, I really think he's a guy that's going to come in and have that third down role for a team and really be that safety net for a quarterback. He's going to be a quarterback's best friend at the next level. I really like him. Let's keep moving along here. Let me put another group of running backs here together for you and see what you think of them. You can pick and choose who you want to talk about. Uh, Miles Gaskin out of Washington, Mike Weber from Ohio State, Elijah Holyfield, who was a guy that maybe lost the most coming out of that combine was probably one of the biggest losers from that 
and uh, Raquel Armstead. You know, Holyfield's a really interesting guy. I think he was one of the, definitely one of the most notable names in the class heading into the combine. And you're right, he did lose a lot uh, based on his athletic scores. But he's drawn comparisons to Mark Ingram, and I definitely see that. And I don't see how that's a bad thing either. I mean, you know, he's going to have a very defined role in the NFL, right? He's He's a physical runner who invites contact, and he runs through defenders. His aggressiveness and effort is shown in his ability to finish runs with that leg drive. Um, he makes some quick, subtle cuts to make defenders miss. I don't know how well that'll translate, given his athletic testing. Uh, and he's a very good pass blocker. He's a two-down runner, but there, there's a role for that. If you pair him with a guy like... Like James Williams, who we just talked about. Uh, yeah, like like James Williams. I mean, you know, you should. if we had Alessandrini on today, he probably would have gone on for 10 minutes about how he loves James Williams. I'm not a huge James Williams guy. We watched them together, and it was just a lot of, uh, you know, 10 swing passes a game that he catches. And I, I didn't see a whole lot there that I loved. I, I do see the James White comparisons for sure. Um, but I, I just wanted to see more from him. You know what? Maybe I need to go back and watch a couple more games so I can see uh, impact made in different areas of the game. But I just I wasn't huge on him coming away from it. I, I, you know what? I, I probably wasn't big on James White coming out either. So what do I know? Well, out of that group that, that I just mentioned for you, uh, Holyfield, I'm not that high on. Someone who's going to rise my board, though, is Armstead. I really saw a creative runner there. You know, he had some spin moves. He, you know, was very physically as an aggressive running style. And that seems like something you and I are both sort of attracted to. I think he's going to be a two down back at best. And now we're getting to the point where a lot of these guys that we're talking about are sort of going to be more role players, maybe not necessarily lead backs. You know, he mentioned somebody like Holyfield being more of, you know, that that two down kind of guy. I think Armstead is probably going to max out at, at that because I he just didn't catch many passes. He was sort of a, a weak blocker in college, but makes really good decisions on, you know, when to go outside, when to just take what he can up the middle and get a few yards. And that contact balance you talked about earlier with guys you know, really maintains his speed well, has a really good contact bounce there. Something that kind of surprised me for someone that, you know, was a little further down the list. I, I like him and, and I think he's going to continue to move up my board, maybe to the top of that grouping of guys that I just mentioned there. Anyone else, Wilkie, we're, we're coming up on the hour here. Anyone else that you like out of this group? And I'm opening the door for you to tell me how much you love Darwin Thompson. Yes, Darwin Thompson is, I'll give you a spoiler, he is number eight on our running back rankings that will come out next week. Nice. Uh, Darwin Thompson is, comparisons are tough to make, right? But if you want like a visual, he's kind of like Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's he's a big play machine. He can take it the distance from anywhere on the field. He's consistently leaving defenders grasping at tackles with uh, rare elusiveness. Uh, But he's also got speed to beat defenders to the edge and pull away in the open field. Uh, He's explosive. He uh, flashes some physicality in the way he finishes runs. He's a comfortable and productive receiver out of the backfield. And he's a willing pass protector. I I think it involves a little bit of a projection with him because it was a lower level of competition. You know, and he is undersized. But... Man, there's just so much to like with his game. I there there are a ton of running backs in this class who are who we would consider big names that I would take Darwin Thompson over in a second. To wrap things up, I'm gonna just run through three guys quick who I liked who were a little bit further down here. Travis Homer out of Miami. 
Another guy that really surprised me, really solid, compact runner, has a nice build, even though he has a, a smaller frame, carries it very well. Just didn't have many weaknesses in his game. Not a home run hitter, but a guy who could be a, a reliable yard gainer for a team, really good pass catcher. I think he could excel in that area if he's given the chance, steady blocker. Uh, Alexander Madison out of Boise State. Yes. You, talk, you talked about guys facing weaker competition. That's the only knock on him is I saw some nice things. But, you know, I don't know if he's a star talent. He looked really good going against some of those, you know, weaker teams. Uh, kind of a choppy runner, but, you know, good competitor. Doesn't have breakaway speed, but, you know, has pretty good pass catching skills, at least the basics there. And, you know, I worry that it's not going to translate to the pros, but I will say he looked very good on film. You know, he could be effective in the right situation. And this last guy, I don't think he's going to turn into much. I know a lot of people have talked about him, but Divine Zigbo out of Nebraska. He's somebody that, you know who I thought of when I watched him, Wilkie? Uh, ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. And it's been a long time since I've said oh, wow. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. But he was someone that I know he has that big back capability in him. Could be an early down thumper, but seemed really slow. Now, his acceleration might, you know, make that passable. If he can come in and be a power back, sure, I guess, maybe. He's probably going to get drafted on day three. Capable receiver as well, decent blocker. Guy with strong legs and a lot of drive. So maybe we see him come in, get a you know a short yardage roll uh, with the team there. Yeah, I, I like Ozebo a lot. And he is actually higher on our rankings than you will expect. Um, All right, good. Don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> that's, that's a good teaser there. And yeah, what you said about... Uh, about Madison, I really liked Madison. Um, you know, I love. I have a thing for physical backs, but like physical backs who also show an ability to do things beyond that, right? So I think he he's a big guy who invites contact and really punishes defenders, but he's also surprisingly agile and elusive for a guy of his size. Good contact balance, and I don't think people know exactly how good of an athlete he is. Sneakily, of course, but um, his ten yard split at the combine was a 1-5-1. That is a hundredth of a second behind Ezekiel Elliott and four hundredths of a second behind Saquon Barkley. He can move for a big guy, and I'm, I'm really excited to see him play at the next level. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where he lands. All right, awesome stuff today, Wilkie. The score's Mike Alessandrini, who we mentioned a few times during the podcast. He was going to join us today, but he's off dealing with the death in the family, so we're wishing him all the best, and hopefully we'll have him on the pod next week when we go over wide receivers and tight ends. Until then, make sure you're checking out the NFL Fantasy News River and the Score app. You can find all my fantasy content there. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks again to Wilkins. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time